Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to FixNation.com. A um, couple things right off the uh, cuff. Solutions-based, not a rant and rave. So if you turned in to hear me scream, probably not going to get it. Um, what is FixNation.com? Um, created about, about oh, a little over five years ago. It's a website, FixNation.com, obviously. It's three separate books, FixNation.com, Why Go Conservative, and One Grand Bargain, all available under uh, Amazon uh, ebook or paperback, your choice, all penned by John A. Jensen, yours truly. Oh, how can you reach me? At the website, suggestion box at FixNation.com is how you reach me via email. Um, you can also... Pick up on Twitter, at FixTheNation. Um, that's who I am, John A. Jensen again. Um, absolutely communicate with me there. Um, quite active. Political, yup. Conservative, yup. Perfect, nope. Um, interesting year, this election of 2016 that we have going on. And I'm taking a little different tack. Yes, I'm conservative, but today's topic is actually about independence. Why? Come on, dude. Why are you talking about independence? Come on. Who cares? We're Democrats. We're Republicans. We're a two-party system. Why would you think about talking about independence? Really simple. It's called math. Big fan of math and logic. Okay, so I'm going to take a step back. A little background. About the 1950s, the term independent started to come into vogue. Um, it wasn't a big deal, but it was a kind of the starting point. And these were people who weren't being represented very well by either the Democrats or the Republicans. So there was just kind of a small cluster that, you know, we kind of do our own thing. Now, let's define Democrat-Republican real, real quick because it'll, it'll mentally give you a, a way of, of picturing where the independents exist and why they exist. And that's kind of the point of the show. Democrats, the core, the base, the true blue Democrat – their parents were Democrat. They're Democrat. They vote Democrat. Now, I didn't say for an issue or for a person. I said they vote Democrat. They fall in line. Okay? Lockstep. Whoever the nominee is, that's who I vote for. Let's go to the Republican side of the aisle. Same thing. My parents were Republican. I'm Republican. I vote Republican. I didn't say who the candidate was. I didn't say what the issues were. I said, we vote Republican because we vote Republican. It's what we do. It's what's right. Okay. Both sides have an equal piece, so to speak, of constituents that vote just that way. No matter who it is, I'm pulling that lever for GOP. No matter who it is, I'm pulling that vem- uh, uh, a lever for the, for the Democrat, no matter who it is. Okay. As we got into the 80s, and let's go talk about Reagan for a minute. Reagan was elected partly an anti-Carter vote, partly an inspirational vote, and partly a movement. 
as he started to do his thing, his second-term election was a landslide. We're talking he crushed, crushed his opponent, which brings us to when he leaves office, about 88. Bush gets in, probably on the coattails of all the success of Reagan, as he was the VP. He gets elected. He was not inspirational, and he's definitely not Reagan. But, hey, we got a good thing going. Let's go with that. Bush ends on a recession. In comes Clinton, who probably might be qualified as the best Republican president we've ever had because a lot of things he signed off in office because the Republicans put it in front of him. He was willing to go for it, kept our economy going for a 20-straight-year ballpark of economic euphoria. He balanced budgets. He did If I'm going to put the president's name on things in a good way, got to put it in the name of the bad thing, right? So if Clinton's going to get the credit for the economy in the 90s, although the Republicans gave that to him, okay. So why do I paint that landscape? And then, of course, we had the Bush two, year, uh, two terms followed by the Obama two terms. Let's go back to 1988. What you had at the end of that was a lot of disarray in the Democratic Party. They needed to find an identity, and they kind of swirled around because they had had failure for a lot of years. Their last great uh, representative was Jimmy Carter, and that's nothing to really hang your hat on. There were a lot of Democrats at that point in time that realized I'm disenfranchised. I'm going to step aside. I'm an independent. I'm no longer a Democrat. And they stepped to the side. Let's go forward a little bit. Let's go to the end of the Clinton two terms. You had a lot of people on the Republican side that, quite frankly, weren't real thrilled with with where the party was going as it went into the 2000s, as Bush run happened. And what happened? They started to step aside. Why? The GOP just doesn't really speak for me. That's part of why Obama was elected to begin with. Now, all of a sudden, you come up to current day. We're going to tie this all together. Currently, in this, the United States, about, this is a Gallup poll. These are numbers. Gallup, last year, 26% of the voting populace is, quote-unquote, Republican, 26%. So you're thinking, oh, man, Democrats must be huge. Um, No, not so much. The Democrats, per Gallup, 32%. Fix. Hold on a second. That's only 58%. Where's the other chunk of the pie? Here it comes, guys and girls. 42%. Of this country, voters identify themselves as independent. I'm going to say that again. 42% compared to the best case, 32% Democrat, or the bottom number, 26% that identify as Republican. That's why we're talking about independence today. Makes a lot of sense, right? We can wage war all we want, Democrat and Republican. We can banter back and forth this two-party system all we want. 
but make bank on this. The people that will decide our elections are neither. Say it again. Are neither. Well, why? Because these voters aren't identified by, I always vote Republican, or I always vote Democrat. They identify with things that are more important to them. They are a candidate-specific, a core issue or issues person. They look at the moment and make a decision on what they believe is best, whether it be for them or for the country, to be determined. But they are absolutely swayable. Okay. We have multiple, multiple, multiple swing states that are going to be in play because the independent voter block of registered independent voters in these states is so astronomically huge. Do you realize that just the declared independent voters, just the declared ones, the ones we know about, and a lot of the states, we'll take New York as an example, New York is an unknown, not available. And there's 3 million of less than 11 million that weren't even allowed to vote in the primaries because they're registered independents. I'm going to say it again. 3 million of the 10.7 million registered voters in New York City couldn't vote because they were independent and they don't they weren't allowed to vote in primaries. 3 million of less than 11 million are independent. Don't think that's an important sector. So a lot of these states don't even have available information. What we know is there are 28 million registered independent voters, and that's as of January, by the way. That number might have changed. These people deal in the moment. They don't identify with the Democratic platform as it has always been. They don't identify with the Republican platform as it's always been. Now, you're probably ahead of me, but let's go and frame where we are politically right now in this wonderful Wally World version of our election 2016. We start with 17 Republican nominees. We start with three Democrat nominees. The GOP have gone full throttle and knocked 17 down to one. Donald J. Trump. Love him, hate him. There he is, the presumptive nominee. On the other side, it's been knocked down to two. Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders. I'm going to put Cruz back in the GOP conversation for a split second. Yes, he's out. Yes, he no longer is in it. I get that. But for a conversation, let's frame this out. Cruz was definitely the more conservative of the two, but Trump beat him handily. So he's towards center in the political frame. Sanders, far, far left. Socialist, 74-year-old, giving Hillary fits on the Democratic side. 
and that this 30-year professional politician establishment can't kick him off is, is just more than funny to someone like me. And it's an amazing political event to, to behold. But he's pulled her to the left, and Sanders and Trump have something incredibly in common. They're both perceived as incredibly anti-establishment, i.e. not Democratic, not GOP, not I'm, I do things the typical way. They're, they have an outside way of addressing the issues, a different school of thought. And right now, <clears throat> our populace is incredibly, incredibly receptive to those outside thoughts. I got a tip for you. Let's go back in the last 16 years. Are you really thrilled with what's happened? Bush and Congress puts us in debt. Bush and Congress take us to war. Obama spends more than he ever has possibly conceived, destroyed foreign relations, and we've had gridlock for seven and a half years while we're oppressed by regulations and Obamacare. Do you think there's anybody on either side of the aisle that can look back the last 16 years and say, whoopee, we had a great time. Whoopee, we're so better off. There's a lot of frustration in America. You, me, your neighbor, my neighbor, I got a tip for you. None of us are really happy with where we are and where we're going. We need to change course. We're all screaming that at the primary ballot box. We are absolutely voicing ourselves at the ballot box, at primaries, at caucuses, at conventions, by who we support, by how we, you know, tweet, Facebook, support, bumper sticker, choose how you do it, who you give your money to and support, who you jump behind, why you jump behind them. Which brings us to today. Happens it right now. Trump and Ryan are meeting to, quote-unquote, unify the party. Okay, let's take a small step back. Who needs who more? And again, remember the topic of the show. We're talking about independent voters, right? Ryan, establishment GOP, and conservative, right of Trump, needs Trump to help enact some of his, his agenda, obviously. He's going to preside over the convention, possibly. And if so, he's going to have to make Trump the GOP Republican nominee. That's how everything looks right now. Well, can he do that with good conscience if Trump doesn't represent him and the party? Is Trump kind of like, usurping their, their authority? Is he taking their party from them? Now, I didn't say that in a bad way. I said that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a possible question mark way. Because if he does do that, is that necessarily a bad thing? Because if so many people are disenfranchised, that's the real technical word, they don't like the platform of the GOP, is that a bad thing? Do they need a little refresh? A little outside opinion? A little different train of thought? Sanders on the other side. He's not going away, people. He's not. 74 years old and completely passionate. 
He sells a message that he believes in. He's real. He's sincere. The people that love him really love him. The people that love him really don't like Hillary. They want change. They want a different path. They don't want establishment Democrat. Republicans don't want establishment Republicans. They've made that very clear right now. If you're an establishment Democrat or establishment Republican right now, you're at risk. Because the quote-unquote outsiders, Trump Sanders, are pounding you into oblivion. Their message is resonating. We have issues. We want them dealt with. We might differ on how to on different sides of the aisle, but we all agree we want them dealt with. We all agree what we have isn't working. That's why the outsider voice is so, so, oh, fresh, new, wanted. We're begging for this as a populace. So let's go to these independents and let's try to just frame them out a little bit. Because if you're Hillary, you are in a really, really tight box. You've been pulled far left by Sanders and will consistently be pulled left until he gets out. And with his finances, with his passion, at 74, meaning his, this is his last hurrah on the national stage, he has everything he needs to go as long as he wants to go, and he has every, every passion to keep going. It will be a very difficult convention when the delegates want her, and most of the states want him, and most of the people want him. That's tricky. And the further left she goes to fend him off, the more room it gives Donald J. Trump to maneuver. And again, we're talking about Trump like he's a, a, a typical politician. Don't make that assumption. He has been more conservative than Cruz on certain things and more liberal than Hillary on certain things. He captures the hearts and minds, the attention of a broad, broad swath across that middle. He will get, absolutely get, some of the, the feel-the-burn followers that hate Hillary. He will lose some of the never-Trump Cruz supporters. He will get a whole bunch of Reagan Democrats that want to fiscally have things fixed because they're scared. He will get a whole bunch of people that want foreign policy to be addressed and us to be a stronger nation, not a weaker apologist nation. I didn't say he's going to get everybody, but again, let's go back to the math. If 32% are Democrat no matter what and 26% are Republican no matter what, okay, well, a few of those people won't vote for Hillary because they don't like her, and a few of those people won't vote for Trump because they don't like him. Okay, but let's take 6%. Is that the, that's the, the, the difference still. That just means that that 42% has a greater voice. Who's going to sell to the independents? And what are they looking for? Because you're going to have a whole bunch 
that have different aspirations. But I ask you this, who would you trust to reach that group better? A 30-year career Democrat politician that only, only knows big government, higher taxes, and has been there, done that? If you're the 42% and you're screaming for change, how can you address that? How can you jump behind that and put your political vote or muscle or money into someone who you know doesn't represent what you want? Hmm, counter-argument. If you're the 42%, and although Trump is an outsider, do you know he really stands for? He hasn't declared himself. Is something you don't know about better than something you do know about? Because there's an inherent risk in that, right? If you're an independent, what do you do? You kind of don't know. But I will say this. If you keep slicing the electric down, you're going to find out a couple of things. There are certain people that are independent because they just simply want to be left alone. That's not Hillary. She wants a bigger, stronger government. She wants to take everything. And the further left she goes, the more you're going to lose people like that. There are people that are scared to death economically, going to lose a job, lose a house, you know, go to a recession, $19 trillion in national debt going into the 20s, $4 trillion in debt at the Fed, an anemic growth rate, which is equal to about what Japan has, which is nothing to be proud of, and fires all over the world from a national uh, a foreign policy sense. There's a lot to make us nervous right now. We're not better, we're worse. And we need something different to make us better. Which goes back to the argument that independents have to, have to fight out in their mind. Do you get behind a 30-year career Democrat when you know what you're going to get? Or do you go for the wild card in Trump who tactically has tremendous advantages right now? One, he has not been pigeonholed as a far-right conservative extremist like someone like a Cruz would have been. He is, he is the guerrilla warfare fighter. He is elliptical. He dances around so much, you almost can't pin him down. But you can, you can smell some consistencies. He does a lot of things that are very consistent. Anybody who loves him is awesome, and he loves him. Anyone who doesn't support him, it's not that big a deal, and he minimizes them, right? Is that all right? He makes statements which are vague but sound bites, as opposed to Clinton, who's going to have to use issues and resolutions to drive her bus because she's not inspirational. And she doesn't have a new message to sell. She just has to say, but these are how real my solutions are. This is, this is what I would do. Here is my platform. Vote for me. I'm not sure if that's going to energize the base, which is split pretty hard on her side. I don't think what she's selling is attractive to independents. And to that 42%, that outside voice of Trump is his to lose, which is why, if you look at the recent national polls, they're almost in a dead heat. Well, yeah, but he's not winning. 
I, I understand that. He's been in politics for less than a year. She's been in politics for 30-plus years. She's been on the national stage politically for 30-plus years. She can't shake Sanders, let alone step up her game against Trump. She can't even address Trump until she shakes Sanders, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. And he just keeps taking other things. Do you realize what Trump said about Sanders, by the way? He just keeps winning. He just keeps winning. Win, win, win. You know, and in the end, he's just, you know, they're not going to let him win. You know what that does, right? It's a brilliant comment. He's stoking the feel the burn people to keep fighting on. He's also throwing a little bit of an olive branch out to that crowd that if you hate her enough, you can still vote for me. Why? Because I think you got screwed. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's the chase. What you think about that? He says, I don't need conservatives, meaning he's not going to beg for them. He's not going to capitulate. Well, one, that's strength in negotiation. Number two is, let's go back to who's more valuable. And by the way, I'm going to remind you, FixNation.com, I am absolutely conservative, okay, but I have to respect this tactically. Who's more valuable? Independence, 42% of, the, of the, uh, the electorate, or the conservatives, far, 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 far less than that. 40 versus 10%. You, you take your pick if you're him. And you're going to get a chunk of that 10% without even trying, because they're going to vote for you to not vote for her. The never-Trumps are a very small group. I mean, it might be a couple of million, but it's nothing that's, that's going to lose him any sleep because he'll make that up in a, in, a, in a heartbeat with the independents. It also gives him a wonderful advantage to go capture the middle. Because he's not locked into the far right, he can go swim in that sea in the middle and go start talking about things that are attractive to everybody. Because if you can cling to him just a little bit, that's all he needs in November. Because she can't do that. She's being pulled to the left by Sanders. And she has to keep talking that game to fend him off until he's done. And then she can pivot. Why can't she pivot now? Sanders can't beat her mathematically. She's gonna have, she has the superdelegates. She has the thing locked up. Yes, he keeps winning states. But you know what? Delegate-wise, she's still going to get the number and be the nominee. That's a statement. That's a fact. Because he has passionate supporters. He has people, unlike Cruz, that are going to cling to him, they respond to him, and there are much, much greater numbers than the Cruz camp. That's why he keeps beating her, and Cruz couldn't beat Trump. If she pivots now, it's the equivalent of turning her back on them and saying, you're not important to me. I'm going to go talk to Trump. I'm not going to give him enough attention because he's not worth it. I got a tip for you. That's the worst thing she could do politically. Because if you really upset them, they might vote for Sanders anyway in the national. He might go third party. They might get so passionately upset that now they become the equivalent of a never Trump. They're so passionate 
against someone that would consider voting for their enemy to spite him or her. Never Trump's voting for Hillary to not get him in office. The example of you know, the Sanders camp voting for Trump to keep her out because they don't like her. Crazy, right? What a weird, weird world the election of 2016 is turning into. Who saw that one coming? Didn't you think, like two years ago, Hillary would be the slam dunk Democratic nominee? Did you think last year the slam dunk nominee coming out of the GOP would probably be someone like a, a Rubio, a Cruz, you know, somebody like that? Go back two years. Trump, the GOP nominee? I'm not sure how many people could say honestly that, you know, yeah, they saw this one coming. Or two years ago, oh yeah, Hillary's going to have trouble securing the nomination against a 74-year-old socialist. Really? You saw that one coming? So a lot of the things this year, going back to independence, you really have to take them into, into account. 42%, 28 million registered voters that we're aware of, by the way, and that's just the ones that are registered. That's not 42%. 42% are people who no longer identify with their party. Those might be conservatives. They might be registered GOP, but they just don't feel the GOP speaks for them anymore. We don't agree might be socialists on the far, far left to say the Democrats don't speak for me anymore. They don't represent me. Could be people dead top, dead center. Moderates on either party. The Democrats have gone so far left, don't even recognize them. The Republicans have gone so far right, don't even, don't even recognize them anymore. They don't speak for me. That's an independent voter. They're disenfranchised. And I got a tip for you. This is shaping up to be the year of the independent voter. I'm a conservative. I guess I'm an independent. Why? Well, I'm registered Republican. Am I going to vote that way? Probably. Am I disenfranchised what the GOP brings to the table? Absolutely. They don't speak for me. It's been true for conservatives for years. Right? But I will say this. If you have a gridlock in Washington because you have a Democratic president with a Republican Senate and House, you need to put the pieces in place to take this country forward. So now let's just take a step back and keep it really simple. Because if you're Trump, it's yours to lose right now. She's cleared out because she has to fight him off still, stubbornly. So you just have to stick to some very simple issues and some very collectively important issues, national security. Is there anybody in this country that doesn't want us to have a secure nation? Absolutely not. We all want to be secure. We all want to feel safe in our homes, in our states, in our country. So if he keeps selling the national security message, he's going to get a lot of attention. If he can talk up 
a little bit more detail about some kind of a fiscal reform, a fiscal address, a job uh, creation mandate, kind of put a little bit of flesh on the bones. What is he actually thinking about doing? Just a little bit. He had a foreign policy uh, speech a few weeks back. And all he did was kind of lay out a very broad framework. Now, you can pick it apart because it doesn't have enough details. But it's just enough that we can agree with it. But not enough where we can pick it apart for the substantive piece of it. Oh, it's not how it should be done. We all agree our allies should be allies. We all agree we should be safe and secure. We all agree we should be strong at the table, blah, blah, blah. Okay. He talks in the obvious, but that's not a bad thing. He is the outsider. He doesn't have to necessarily flesh out all the issues. Let's go back to Obama when he ran about eight years ago. He kept promising things like, oh, I've got a, a plan to, to build, you know, create five million jobs. And we still haven't seen that plan. He just said what was needed to get elected. That's what politicians do. I don't say that to to make them sound like jerks. They're politicians. It's like salespeople. You're supposed to sell. So you say what you need to do to sell. Oh, that's lying. Okay, it's lying. It's politics. And their mouths are moving. What are they doing? They're probably lying. Now, here's the attractive piece. Where Hillary has a very, very distrusted name. Trump has yet to be defined in that way. Yeah, there's some people who don't trust him. Yeah, there's people that are skeptical. But to some people, he speaks from his heart. I don't want Muslims coming to this country. Let's put a temporary ban on it. Let's find out what these people are you know, about. Let's vet them first. You know? I don't think that's, an, that's a completely abnormal request. Now, he doesn't say everybody. He's trying to protect the country. Now, you might disagree with specifics of what he said. You might think it's profiling. You might think it's discriminatory. You might have some, some emotional reaction to it. But if you take just the substance of he wants to keep us safe, not real sure if you can argue with the logic of it. That they come in eventually might happen, but can we slow it down and not risk our safety by simply just rolling the dice? Now, I don't think he says it in the most lovable, sensitive way, but again, that speaks to our country right now. Oh, we have to be politically correct in everything we say. If you're ever not politically correct, you are vilified. Here's one for you. Marco Rubio. Was it Little Marco? It's it's tough to keep all these nicknames straight, by the way. He had a immigration committee he was on. And he actually, in that group of eight, addressed the whole amnesty thing. He was vilified for it. So let me get this right. He, conservative, steps towards center to make something work on a deal level. And for that, he's vilified 
and literally probably cost him the nomination this year. That single point was the, his biggest sticking point. So you can't step toward middle because you just get crucified. What's Trump doing? He's all over the place politically. And I don't say that in a good or a bad way. I just think it's, it's an amazing observation to be someone like me and observe what he does. Nothing sticks to him. He dances, sticks, and moves on. Now, it'll be curious how this plays out with the independent voter. And again, I'm conservative, so I don't understand the entire mindset. And that's what I need to do more research into, because what makes the independent voter tick? I will bet you, I will bet you a huge boatload of that is a fiscal responsibility piece. If you were to say to all the independent voters, are you comfortable having $19 trillion and growing in national debt, or does that bother you? I will bet you it bothers all of them. <clears throat> if you ask all of them, do you want your taxes to go up or taxes to go down? Most or all of them would say down. If you pulled all of them, do you want your country to be secure or, quote-unquote, open? Secure would be the word they would choose. So it really depends on how you talk to them, but there's some broad swaths of these people, of the independents, that are gettable if you're Donald Trump. And I'm not sure if they're gettable if you're, if you're Hillary Clinton, to be quite honest. Even take Sanders out of the mix. What appeal would she have to them? Incredibly establishment, incredibly um, distrusted, part of the foreign policy fiasco we have in this country right now is with her being the poster child as Secretary of State. She can cling to Bill Clinton's record all she wants. She's no Bill Clinton. She's not. She doesn't have his charisma. She's not, think about this one, a waffler like he is because he had more, less of philosophical entrenchment. He was more willing and open to working with Republicans. She thought, she found that then, let alone now, as a problem. She wants bigger government. He wants to make a better country. She identifies more with Barack Obama than she identifies with her own husband on that issue. Look at how they led. So how do you split her from Barack Obama's legacy? How do you split her from the foreign policy fiasco if you're the independents? I'm not sure if she can. That's like becoming somebody you're not. And yes, politicians will say anything to get elected. I get that. But you still have to sell it in a way that's real. The advantage Trump has is he doesn't have a 30-year legacy as a career politician to hold him like a rock as, and define him. He's kind of filling in the gaps as he goes. And there's a risk in that, but there's also a wonderful, wonderful, refreshing reward in that 
and it's an openness as a politician that's completely unprecedented. Everyone in the history of history who's ever run for president for a GOP or Democratic nomination has been a career politician. Right? Even Reagan had been governor. He had held office. You are dealing with Trump, who has never done that, ever. He's an outsider, as true an outsider as you ever possibly could get. He's never held office. You want a businessman to fix the country? Here's your guy. This is Ross Perot without the ears and the, and the pie charts. Interesting, right? So these independents will take us down a path, whether you or I, as conservatives happen to like it, is immaterial. But you better get to know them, and you absolutely, if you are Trump, need to pay attention to them, and he'll spend a lot more time focused on them, and he will give Ryan some lip service. He'll give the GOP some time and attention. He will balance, but make bank on this. When it comes to Trump, the art of the deal he needs to play to the audience that's in front of him, and he's playing to an audience right now on a national level that will get him elected in November. That's his focus. And if you look at his recent history, let's go back the last 12 months, he doesn't lose, people. He doesn't. He ran against 16 other very capable people and knocked every one of them out. The GOP establishment tried to stop him, couldn't do it. Super PACs tried to stop him, couldn't do it. Cruz got backed by the establishment, and that's weird because the establishment and Cruz are completely against each other. But what strange bedfellows. Now the establishment is trying to make nice with him. I got a tip for you. If you're him, what have you been doing? It's been working. Do you really want to listen to him? Do you really want to step and fetch? I don't think Stefan Fetch is the way he's going to go. He might listen. He might make some comments. He might make nice to a point. But I don't think he's going to become their lapdog. I think exactly the opposite. If you're the GOP and you've got a guy that might take you to where you need to be, you just need to kind of get behind him and see how it plays out. In fact, actually, the more they push against him, the more popular he gets, if you think about it. So if they back him, he wins. If they don't back him, he wins. Isn't that crazy? This is a weird, weird election in 2016. So give it some thought. Do some research. Independence will make the difference in this entire election. All right. Again, this is FixTheNation.com. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, at FixTheNation. You can reach me Facebook, FixTheNation.com. Um, three books on Amazon, so FixNation.com, Why Go Conservative, okay, which is a conservative platform that I think the message wasn't sold four years ago. One Grand Bargain I wrote three and a half years ago when the time the national debt was $13 trillion. It's amazing what a couple of years brings. The FixNation.com website, feel free to visit it. So you can reach me through your suggestion box at FixNation.com or um, through Twitter at FixNation. That's how you reach me. Um, I'm here on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, a lot of different ways. Um, I do need to boogie because I actually uh, 
will be interviewed on the radio in a little over an hour, almost two. Um, so I'll be back on it at noon on a different station, trying to pick my brain on uh, election 2016. Until then, God bless and good luck.